When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. So, this traversed, for example, against the ice we were talking about uh, before accessing to, to the frontal. It's uh, for sure a mental game and experience. Uh, game because you know like okay there's it's super easy I can cross there it's just two meters of ice I just get some speed put my board flat wait and then I know like just before it's going to be good snow I will be able to stop so you need to go fast to be able to cross easy because if you go slow and you slip on the ice then you just fall down on a crazy couloir full of ice which it's death for sure like 500% And there's as well the fact of telling yourself, yeah, for sure, it goes, I've done it already, no big deal, Uh, stay calm and do it. He is described as one of the most creative and courageous writers of today, and as he came to town to present his new movie project, Frozen Mind, together with The North Face, I got the chance to sit down in the studio with French snowboarder Victor Delerue. My name is Magnus Ormestad, and this is episode 27 of the international series of the Swedish outdoor podcast Husky. Husky is made possible thanks to Naturkompaniet. If you want to know more about this episode and the previous ones, please head over to huskypodcast.com or find me on Facebook and Instagram at the handle huskypodcast. So where is uh, where is home to you? Uh, home, um, home to me is uh, sorry. Home to me is in <laughs> southwest of France, in Cabreton, next to Hossegor and Biarritz. But in the winter, I live uh, in the Alps, in uh, Val Thorens. I rent an apartment there with my girlfriend, and and from there I ride, I train, and then I travel to to my shooting destinations or to competitions you live the classic uh, dirt bag life <laughs> out of a duffel bag sometimes exactly yeah <laughs> but is that where you grew up uh, close um, to close to the ocean no i i grew up in the pyrenees like a half hour from spain in a resort called the sanary and so i grew up riding there being in the snowboard club um, the brown beers and uh, and from there I did competitions and then I got some sponsors and then I kept on going and then had to choose between competitions of border cross and, and freestyle or filming and I liked filming most and and yeah producing footage, pictures, videos, making movies and so this is uh, and then I kept on doing this for for a bunch of years for 10 years so far. And now that's I mean if someone 
like uh, flying over to Stockholm, for instance, and if you sit talking to someone next to you and they ask you, so, so what do you do for a living? What do you, what do you answer then? Um, do you tell them that you're a snowboarder? Yeah, yeah. Before I had a trouble to to say I'm a snowboarder. It felt kind of weird, but now I'm. I've been doing this for so many years. So yeah, I say I'm a snowboarder and mm. and I work for it and I live uh, through it. And yeah, that's everything is around that. Yeah. Um, what about about growing up? Because you you. Uh, you're not the only one in your family that that have some skills on the snowboard. Uh, you have a uh, four, three or four older brothers and sisters. Yeah. You're the youngest of mm-hmm, five, mm-hmm. yeah. Um how did that how did that happen? Because because I mean correct me if I'm wrong, but every one of you have pretty heavy merits. Like all of you have pretty heavy like uh, You've won like <clears throat> nationals. You've won yeah, like Olympics and uh, and uh, of course free ride world tour and stuff. So, so uh, how come you, you all ended up being this ambitious and t- full of talent when it comes to snowboarding? <laughs> so um, yeah, our parents have five kids. I'm the the youngest one. I have a a sister which is in the middle and. Um, my older brother is like 12 years older than me and we all grew up in the Pyrenees in Saint-Larry in a in a village yeah in a ski resort and our parents had a ski and snowboard shop so they were working like their ass off like every day uh, of course yeah, tourist season 24/7 like all the time they yeah. were owner of the shop so so big time working and they i guess they were earning pretty well their life and they were just um, letting us doing what we want for example if we wanted to go like to um, for a week in the Alps to train like they could afford to pay it because they were working really hard and uh, I don't know we we got uh, like pretty good at it I know like when I was a kid my older brother were like um, being very good at the competition and every weekend they were traveling with the brown beers with the club from uh, from Saint-Larry and they were winning all the competitions and and so it was really a good vibe to see them coming back every on Sunday night every weekend and like having like I I could feel they had the best weekend traveling with their friends everyone was killing it and then from there they they kept kept on going, and me, I had my brother as inspiration for sure, and kind of way went the same way. And and you've never been skiing. <clears throat> I was skiing until I was maybe eleven. I got my first snowboard when I was six. Then from six to eleven, I was a bit doing both, bringing my snowboard, my skis to to the to the resort um yeah i was usually going to the ski club and and uh, managing to bring my snowboard and then right after the ski club I, w- I would put my snowboard on and at some point at 11 i think i got sponsored by um i don't know if it was burton or yeah burton probably at that age and then i was um yeah i just but put the skis uh, back to the and you never opened that closet again. Yeah, to the closet. 
<laughs> yeah, and just uh, maybe once every two or three years, I do one one day of skiing. Like, <laughs> I have the worst style ever, but it, it's super fun to go like fast with the worst style. <laughs> um, and no control, for sure. <laughs> no control, exactly. Um, but was, could you tell me a bit about the community kind of, because you started racing as well, like uh, you did uh, uh, what half pipe freestyle. So first, I was a part of the club from Les Brunbiers in the um, from my ski resort in Sanary, and then I got a part. I was doing good at the competition, so then I was traveling with the Pyrenean group. We were traveling to the French championships, uh, French uh, cups, and whatever. And then, so that was another community. Like I had such a good vibe with everybody. We were having so much fun. And then I had the, um, I, I had some sponsors. And then they asked me sometimes to go to some shootings. But I was as well doing some competitions. But at some point it was at the same time. So at some point I had to choose. Okay, should I go to the shooting or to the competition? And at some point I was like, okay, let's just do what I like the most, which was. Uh, making videos, making shootings and stuff, and writing the kind of stuff I really liked. So I went this way, and I kind of stopped competi competing, yeah. But, and that came, like, so, for, uh, for you, that co came very early for you, that you had to make these kinds of decisions, like between choosing choosing between, uh, like, competing or working with sponsors and everything. You were just a teenager then. Yeah, I had to choose... Um, When I was, I don't know, from 12, no, from 12, 13, wow. like more and more I had mm. to make this decision because at the beginning I had one shooting event in a season and then the, and then bunch of competition and at some point I just changed. I had more and more shooting and less and less competition because I had less time and then at some point I just dropped the, the competition and went just full on for what I loved the most and where, where I was best at as well. And um, because filming, you just go out there and you just hit whatever you want, when you want, with the condition you like, so you can really express yourself. And because in the competitions, it was just park. And so being less creative, it was just about the, the trick and not... Um, yeah. Yeah, so I was just better and I enjoyed way much more the filming. And as well, the it was pretty cool to go with the crew in the backcountry, learning so much about filming, building jumps, uh, how to make good shots, and I really enjoyed that. And then you have the premiere tour then, you made a movie, you worked your ass off for <laughs> for a year, and then you go to crazy places with your really good friends you've been shooting all winter, and you present the movie, and then you travel, and it That's was a, amazing years. A good good feeling. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess for like all those decisions, And all those kind of career moves, you had your older brothers, for instance, to look up to. Uh, and to, I guess, did you ask them for advice? Did they tell Did they tell you, like, Victor, think about this? Do I think you should do this instead of that and so on? Or have uh, you always been, like, just following kind of your, your heart? Yeah, I've always been following my heart and doing what I wanted to do and and not doing what I should do, but sometimes I had maybe some question and for sure I can I know I can ask them anytime what they think and they would answer and giving me their point of view and that would help to to make a decision sometimes 
for example, one year I know Polo and Xavier uh, went to the Olympics and I was like, oh, maybe now slope style is at the Olympics. Maybe I, maybe I should try to qualify and then it, we would be three brothers. And so they thought it was a good idea. There were one of them, especially Polo, was really psyched about it because yeah, he loves the Olympics and the competition part of snowboarding. But um, and as well, my sponsors were really stoked about it. They were pushing for for it. But at some point, so I was trying to to compete to qualify. But at some point, I had big uh, video project opportunities as well. And in December, I was like, uh, I had to choose, and I was like, ah, yeah, fuck the competition anyway. I'm not that good, and that's not what I really want to do, really w dream to do. And I don't think I will be that great. And I have this video opportunity I want to go for full on and I don't want to miss that. And that's what I did. And honestly, I don't regret anything. <laughs> Never it looked was, back and, yeah. and wanted to do something different. You, yeah. yeah, super stoked on all the choices I I took so far. But but I mean, growing up with, with friends and especially family like that, I mean, that must kind of, uh, don't get me wrong, but it must in some ways kind of give you a, a twisted view on what talent is and what skill is because everybody in your family are very talented when it comes to snowboarding. And do, did you have like a moment where you like at, at a certain age when you started think of like, hey, we are exceptionally good. Like we are we're damn good. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I never told myself, oh, we are so damn good. <laughs> Maybe but, you should. <laughs> but, but for sure, um, watching at my older brothers, you know, I they're all my older brothers, so for sure I admire all of them. And I know they're all good in their sports, but when I was a kid, I, I didn't know exactly what they were doing. I just know, like, hey, they're all going out there, winning everything, killing it, <laughs> having so much fun. And... Um, Yeah, I just want to. I just want to have the same life, yeah. like uh, going there, having fun, and I know it's possible to make from this passion your livings. So I think my, all my older brothers for sure inspired me, and then all that what they were doing, winning the competitions and doing good movies and stuff. I don't. know, It just seemed kind of normal in a way, or I've seen like all the movies of Xavier, but I know every time there's a new movie coming out, I know it's going to be like a rad shit. So you watch it and you're like, it gets normal, you know, in a way. And so you see a bunch, bunch of footage, uh, crazy lines. And then after a while, you're like, yeah, this is just how it is. And if you push yourself, you get to this level. So, so I guess you're, um, yeah, If I want to go out there and film, I know that my expectations are super high because I don't want to do something like 10 times shittier than what my <laughs> brother has done. So my expectation is for sure pretty high. Yeah. Did you make long-term plans or like did you think, okay, so in, in five years I want no, to no. have done this and that and uh, in order to get there I need to work with these people and no. those people? I... For me, it's really difficult to think uh, like more than one year ahead every time. Like, okay, uh, in April, from April to September, I try to think of what I'm gonna do the next season, and I try to make some plans and make them happen. And then I put all my energy in this plan in this season to make most of this season and to achieve the goals that I have set. But then I never set goals like more than one year. 
and it's still the same. Yeah, still the same. Maybe more and more I will be able to see like maybe long terms. But so far I've done like this. I had, for example, the opportunity of work, working with standard films the first year when I was a kid. I was like, well, okay, let's try to have the best video part. And then the it worked super good. Then the year after, okay, this year absent, let's try to to kill it. And then I had like the ender and the cover of the movie. And then, yeah, year after year, it was like this. One year I went to shoot, I had the opportunity to shoot with Travis Rice for the fourth phase. So I was like, okay, let's try to do good again. <laughs> it worked pretty good. And so this year I have, um, I'm just trying a new challenge. I, I got like a wild card for the Fred World Tour. And um, yeah, I'm just going to try to do good. <laughs> we'll yeah. see how that goes. And I see year by year and it works Fine for me like this. Looking at your looking at your background, like competing in in border cross slope style half pipe, it's kind of it's kind of a, in a way it would be like the perfect way to build up like this. The um, if you want to create a really good mountain rider, big mountain rider, that's a that's a pretty damn good background to have. All these like technical yeah. parts that you get from all these disciplines, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, what made you, in the end, what what, what made you uh, take the step and maybe, I guess, in a way, following your older brother, Xavier, in a way, into, like, the kind of big mountain part of the free ride? Well, I I think it's super natural, actually. And uh, as a kid, like, you, you don't care about the free riding. You just want to go in the park, have fun, learn the new trick. I even remember when it was powder... In my home resort, like some of my friends were telling me, yeah, let's go ride some powder. I was like, no, I want to go and do this trick and then go ride the park and etc. They were like, are you crazy or whatever? <laughs> and then uh, now I'm like, if there's powder, there is no way I'm going to go to the park. You know, just uh, with the age or with the tree or with the experience you get, I don't know, you want to... Um, just to learn something new and get to you have different motivations and um you're looking for some different yeah kind of stuff in life and i guess so as a kid he was more like park border cross and then he was like uh, going into the backcountry and making some big kickers and making some tricks and filming and then um but you didn't but you didn't really you didn't really hike up all the way up to the to the summit you kind of uh hiked uh, 100 meters to do a kicker and uh yeah like uh, we were like wander wandering in the resort yeah. with the snowshoes and snowshoes and looking, looking for, for features. good features good spots and then we could like shape for two days straight like uh, even on bluebird days super <laughs> frustrating like actually you don't ride that much when you do this <laughs> And uh, and then uh, you try. Then you have your perfect setup, and you try to make the best trick and best uh, best footage possible. And but then at some point, then I went more. I went to Alaska riding. So this was like a big new step for me, like free riding, riding big lines, lots of powder, big slough, etc. And now I'm. I do in the summer as well a bit of paragliding, a bit of climbing. So I get more knowledge you know and then uh now i'm more attracted to big lines in big um, uh, alpine environment where you need to hike climb then you need to take your ice axe to go up and your crampons 
So I think it's just with age, you have different motivation and new skills. And now I try to use all my skills. And for example, this year we did a sick line in Chamonix that you can see from the bottom. It's a crazy hanging glacier that has no exit. It just ends up on a crazy, uh, huge uh, ser- hanging glacier or serac. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, I had the idea to bring my super light paraglide and then I took off from there. So that was the perfect exit. So, um, so you know, you, you get more knowledge and you put them all together and this is how yeah. you create a cool profile. And that's what I like about my snowboarding, pretty much. Um, but going to Alaska, was that kind of an... Uh, a big milestone for you? Like a big eye-opener when, yeah. you, when you got to ride... <clears throat> the Alaska spines and whatnot. Like, uh, th- that was, like, uh, then and there you made a a, a big decision to, yeah. to, this is what I will be doing. So the first year when I went to Alaska, it was for sure a big, big thing for me because it was the first year I was shooting for big production, standard films. So it was, like, a big step forward. And uh, so my brother Xavier was as well in this production and we say, okay, let's go to Alaska this year. And uh, well, it was more his idea and I was like, ooh, holy shit. Okay, let's <laughs> let's do this. And as well, it was a lot of big investment for myself because I had to put all the money down on the table like in uh, December already for Christmas time. I remember we're having this conversation and but so I guess, it, was, it was a big step, big move. And then it worked so well. I was just with him, like in a crew and... And we had like amazing, amazing time. We killed it. And then from there, it was pretty much game on. And I went year after year and then on my own with different people. And and then it was more maybe myself showing the people around there in Alaska. So it was was cool. But I guess, uh, I mean, your brother, he would not have invited you if he didn't know that you were ready for it. Right. Yeah, for sure. Like you 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 know you knew that you could trust him. Like, okay, so if he wants me to go, he he thinks I'm I'm ready for it and I can do it. Yeah, definitely. So if he proposed me to go there with him, he knew like I had the skills and the mindset to do it. So, but for sure, it was pretty nice from him because um, if you bring someone, I was pretty young, maybe eighteen or so. So you know, you need to take care of your little brother and make sure he doesn't go and walk over the big corners <laughs> and or get caught in a big avalanche or yeah. or riding terrain with exposed rocks under or or big cliffs or whatever so so for him it was a big um he was i think a bit stressful because he had to take care about himself his line his decision but even more important to take care about my decision watching from a side angle that I was not doing some too much bullshit and uh, and making sure every every time I was making correct decision and yeah. yeah so it was a bit stressful i remember the first day we went out there we went we got dropped on a on a big ak lines so we get dropped we jump from uh, the chopper yeah, on just, top of just, the line. Just you and uh, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, then poof, the the clouds showed up. So he helped me to go to the top of my line. He was a, uh, you know, big cornice, super like steep. So 
technical to access to the line, so he brings me there. Okay, I'm on top of my line. We kind of cut the cornice a little bit, but I cannot move anymore because it's like uh, if you move, maybe the the cornice will break or maybe you can fall from the other side, so you just sit and really don't move. And then my brother goes to his to his line, which was maybe like uh, 60 meters or so away, but it was a mountain between us, so we couldn't see each other. And then we were waiting for the good weather to come back, so, but we were just waiting like for, um, for uh, I don't know, 20 minutes waiting, waiting. It was horrible. And as well, I had, he told me, hey, we go to Alaska, so maybe you should try to ride a bigger board. So he gave me one of his boards, which was huge, and I just put my binding randomly on there. So, so yeah, whatever. So, what, so yeah. that was the first time yeah, that you, was you the, rode that board? Yeah. <laughs> so then, okay... Skies gets a, b a little bit uh, clearer, so he goes. So I don't see his start, but I just see him like tumbling, like boom, 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 all the bottom of the line. I'm like, holy shit. Okay, but, well, he's fine. He waits for me at the bottom, and me, I go. And then after already two meters, I was already like in my white room. I couldn't see where I was going. I had to stop. Then I, I was like, okay, fuck it, let's go. I went. I had such a weird feeling on this board that I never rode before. And then like a couple meters after it was just a roller, I, I kind of freaked out as well because I wasn't sure that behind this roller it was clear. So I was like, I stopped again and then we were like, damn it, what a shitty first day. <laughs> so we, we went back home like this day and we said, okay, let's stop for today. And uh, we'll try to start again, start more mellow and then grow up every day, like uh, make bigger and bigger lines and start easy at first. And that's what we've done. And then we just really killed it and we had a really good time. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Like becoming so mentally strong. <laughs> I mean, sitting there for 20 minutes, it must have been 
uh, you must have been freaked out. Yeah, it's pretty scary because you know you cannot move, so then your legs are, are cold, and then yeah, you have this weird staring feeling. down this yeah. like, and then uh, yeah, just a weird feeling, and then with the the pressure of the helicopter, the pressure of waiting for the clouds, the pressure of watching your brother tumbling down a mountain, yeah. the pressure of having a different board, and yeah. the pressure of not not knowing how to make a, a turn into like a narrow spine, pillow, whatever. And uh, well, it was like a bit of a disaster for first day, but then we started over again, as I said. We went easy and then phew, we got like, yeah, we, we had a really amazing trip then. Um, how, did it, how did it feel like, I, don't know, I guess a couple of years before that, when you first saw when you first saw the the clips and the movies coming out that Xavier was doing, uh, what did you think when you saw the lines that he did? So when he first did all his videos and crazy AK runs and stuff, I was I was pretty young. I was like a lot into snowboarding, but not into freestyle, not into freeride. So I could just see that my brother was killing it, making amazing footage, riding insane AK lines. But uh, I had trouble to um, to see like all the details and see how exposed it was. Or I don't know. It just seemed always easy for my brother. He was just I know he was just charging and killing it, and and that was pretty much it. I didn't see all okay. the details on because it's so difficult to kind of relate to it. Yeah, and that's what I realized. Um, maybe last year that actually even the people from the snowboarding market they don't even see the the details on all the lines we do you really need to be like uh, really specific and to almost have been there already to understand the choice of the line and to understand the way why did he ride it this way or not yeah. this way and because once I, um so this year we did a movie called um Frozen Mine, but the year before I went with a skier from Red Bull, which is French, called Richard Permin, went to Alaska, and um, so I was trying to organize this trip, and I was, I really wanted to try to explain people how to scope a line, and to, yeah, how to make decision, and I was, I was watching a Alaska snowboard movie in a film festival with a, with a, a French friend from a snowboarding industry and he was telling me but oh my god it's always the same for him all the lines were the same and uh, me I was like no this is different because of this 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 so this is why I wanted to try to explain other people more in detail how yeah how subtle it was yeah this might be a this might be a big a big question but um do you, would you say that your your life and your career in snowboarding has been kind of a long, steady progression into where you are today? Or yeah, for have, sure. Or have you done any? Because I could also guess that, for instance, that first line in in Alaska, that was kind of a big milestone and kind of a mm -hmm. big obstacle yeah like all of a sudden it's like whoa i'm way in over my head almost like mm -hmm. this 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 was something new yeah it's uh, all about building up for sure yeah mm -hmm. but but would you say that you have done many obstacles like that or was that like the the like the the biggest one so far 
So the big one was like going to Alaska for the first time, uh, not making it work good the first day, and then go back and build build up and feel more and more comfortable. Then I remember a couple years later, I went back to Alaska and I rode like a pretty big line because I know my brother Xavier, for example, rode it one year, so I know it was possible. So I rode this one and then the I was like. Room. Yeah, for example. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay, so I've done this one. So now I wrote this crazy line. I know I could write this even a bit bigger line that I would have never watched before. Even though I was at the bottom, I would have watched some small feature on the side to write, but never the big line. So for sure, you educate your eye to watch the mountain in a different way, yeah. depending on the experience you have, what you have done, and what you wrote. And uh, and then then you just build up and then then one year I went to Chamonix. One of my friend Pierre Ortic, which I made the movie Frozen Mind with, uh, he told me, "Yeah, come to Chamonix. I show you my playground. Um, you should try steep riding. You will see it's fun." So I was like, "Okay, I go with him." So the first day we go on uh, one of the steep run. Oh, pretty fun with the rope, everything. And then, like three days later, we go onto a crazy run, like under the um, the cables of the Aiguille du Midi, which is like a thousand, like a thousand, maybe two hundred uh, vertical drop. Super gnarly, and uh, we did that. We had amazing condition, crazy powder, and um, so that was like for sure. Like I was discovering a new sport, pretty much. Mm. So that was another huge achievement and this year we were like okay let's try to focus two and a half months in Chamonix when it's the best time of the year from mid-March to end of May and let's try to make a movie out of it and so this that's what we've done last year and we came out the movie Frozen Mine yeah and um, and so I I learned so much um, and it was great uh, would you say like that type of writing <clears throat> Is um, is it any like technical obstacles? Like that? Did mm-hmm. you feel that you had to learn a new way of writing or adapting your write? Was that a big thing, or is the biggest thing always me- the mental? I mean, because you've been snowboarding <clears throat> since you were like five, six, seven years old. So I guess I mean deep inside you know that you can handle anything they throw yeah. at you. You know that mm-hmm. you can write it. Mm-hmm. But then again, um. I guess the mental, the mental game, like the uh, that part must be. Yeah. So the biggest thing in those steep skiing into big, steep line, glacier line, where where you know that under the snow it's ice and everything. Then you need to do rappels, maybe sometimes abalakov, which are rappels into ice. It's more about experience and knowledge and know how to get out of a situation more than technicals. Yeah. But sometimes you have like some, for example, this year we did a, a cool line called the Frendo. It's a big, like 1,200 meters uh, run as well, which can get ridden very rarely. Like maybe it was good like one year, one day this year. And last when year. When the snow sticks. To yeah. Mm. And this year, uh, last year no one did it, for example. <laughs> and at some point we had to actually cross a piece of ice. Yeah. And for this, yeah, you needed some experience and as well some um, some uh, technique, like 
know how to ride ice and let yourself carry it and then stop a bit later on and uh yeah because because you're right because you can see that in the you can see that in the movie in frozen mind and you ride with the uh ice axes in both your hands and everything and and that's yeah yeah. but would you that's that's more mentally challenging or is it like technical challenging for your riding like um to have the ice axe no i mean yeah to to, to be able to traverse Ah. that type of terrain Ah. would you say that it's it's just a mental thing Ah, it's uh, exp- like about like staying cool and like make yourself yeah. relax and don't tighten up and don't. So this traverse, for example, against the ice we we're talking about uh, before accessing to to the frendo, it's uh, for sure a mental game and experience uh, game because you know like okay, there's it's super easy. I can cross there. It's just two meters of ice. I just get some speed, put my board flat, wait, and then I know like just before it's going to be good snow, I will be able to stop. So you need to go fast to be able to cross easy. Because if you go slow and you slip on the ice, then you just fall down on a crazy couloir full of ice, which it's death for sure, like 500%. And um, But But there's as well the experience of being able to put your board flat, And there's as well the fact of telling yourself, yeah, for sure, it goes. I've done it already. No big deal. Uh, stay calm and do it. And yeah. So this was an option. Or the other option was like, okay, there's a piece of ice. Okay, let's put the rope. So you take the rope out, make it clean, put the find a way to put an ice crew. So clean the snow, find some ice. Okay, clip the rope. Then uh, go little by little. Then you would lose one hour. Yeah. So, so and then in mountaineering, it's a lot like this. You need to earn as much time as possible every time because it's so easy to lose like ten minutes here, ten minutes here, ten minutes here, and then you just uh, end up your day. Yeah, way yeah. too late at night time, and then uh, you have That's more. That's dangerous as well. Yeah, it's super dangerous yeah. because you're more exposed to the, the serax. Yeah, the heating up of. A- Yeah, to to the serax. If you're under serax, they can fall down to you. Oh, exactly as you said, it can uh, the sun can get warmer and uh, and affect some cornices, which can fall and create avalanche that falls to you. Or it can just uh, warm up a little bit some rocks where there is a tiny bit of snow on them. So this just falls a little bit, but then it it brings a bit more snow, which is called slough. Which if that touch you, you go down with the, with it. So yeah, the faster in mountaineering, the better. And yeah, yeah. what you want is to get down and finish, as we say yeah. in, the, in the movie. <laughs> um, but this relationship with fear, um, how has how would you describe your your relationship with fear? Like, don't you ever freeze up or you know? Uh, if I freeze up, yeah. For example, if I'm on top of uh, like a thousand meter cliff, I try to go look through the edge. For sure, I'm gonna freeze and I'm gonna be like, oh, I hate this. In a way, I love it. In the other way, I hate it. But you know, uh, what I like to do in everyday life is to push my limits and to try something I haven't done before. And uh, 
So you start with uh, being next to a 10 meter cliff, you feel okay, then a 50 meter cliff, and then, yeah, well. Gradually build up. Yeah, build up for anything in life like this, new challenge every day, and then you get used to stuff, and that's how you feel more comfortable and how you can access to more crazier terrain, I guess. And because that, I mean, and that's also <coughs> what I'm what I'm interested in this relationship because you need to manage, you need to find a balance between knowing where your limits are. Knowing, okay, I can this I can do, but this I cannot do. So, so find a balance between this, knowing your limitations, but also you need to cross your limitations as well. Sometimes you need mm -hmm. to kind of mm -hmm. expand that zone all the time. So you push your limit daily, but but you know it's scary, but you know you can do it. But you're not going to go like, okay, let's try this, which is way over the top of what you've been doing before, and you don't know how it's going to be. You need to, before going to do something new, you need to try to mentalize it and know like, okay, this part I'm going to do like this, here I'm going to do like that. I know how to do this mani rope manipulation, whatever. And then you, you're like, okay, I can do it. But if it's like way too much difficult and you don't have all the elements in your hands and you don't know how to face this situation, um, well, then maybe it's not a good decision to go. But are you good in that? Are you good in like turning down? Um, and, and, uh, and also what kind of, uh, what kind of mindset what kind of mindset do you want like going into a project project like that what do you want to feel like in your head and and uh, how difficult for you or how easy is it for you to kind of back down like okay so i'm not mm -hmm. writing this today for me anyway i'm just writing stuff or going to places places where i feel confident and i'm like okay it's going to be a bit scary but let's do it and um but i'm not going to go do something i don't feel I'm able to do so the decision is pretty easy for me to say it's a yes or it's a no-go it's pretty easy I guess sometimes it's a bit uh, terrifying when you need to go to a new places for example in high alpine and um, but I have confidence with the people I'm, I'm with and if it's like a friend which is a guide who has been there already and knows and knows my skills and tells me yes for sure you can do it I trust my friend and I'm like okay let's do it you know so so if I, if I know exactly the situation I can decide yes I can do it or not but if I don't know exactly what's gonna happen the next day or whatever or what's the mountain to to climb or whatever and a friends bring me uh, they will tell me and I trust them and they trust me so this is how we find a decision if it's a good idea or not yeah because projects like these are very rarely something that you do solo it's almost all the time like you're doing it as mm -hmm. a team exactly yeah you need to be roped up yeah. you need to be roped up to a friend well some people do it solo but it's a way different uh, level of skills and and yeah, it's a different sport, I would say. Um, the, um, the kind of the dark side of this world uh, is, of course, the fact that it's um, people people disappear, people people die, uh, 
there there can be like tragedies in the mountains like no matter how good you are how does that affect you because i'm sure that you have many like many close friends that's no longer here with us um so how does that perspective affect you and how do you handle well news like that if you're in extreme terrain if you spend some time in extreme terrain like alpine whatever being in in places where you have seracs that can fall into you if you are in places where there's potential avalanche danger if there is potential crevasse danger where you need to cross some snow bridges whatever the more time you go out there the more you get experienced but the more experience you have the more of your Uh, chance you've used and the less chance you get so it's pretty much you have one glass full of experience of uh, of chance at the beginning and another one full uh, empty of um, experience and then little by little you drop your chance into the experience and then at some point you're losing your chance you have more experience but yeah so that was something that Geraldine uh, Fastner told to my brother uh, Polo and Polo told me so I think it's pretty true yeah so the more time you spend out there in the mountain the more uh, you get to know the places the more you you know the conditions the the snow stability and uh, and all the hazards but in a way you you are always a little bit in danger and so at some point you have more chance to fall in a crevasse if you traverse it 100 times instead of if you just traverse it once yeah um but but you can you can still um you have never thought of 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 changing direction or doing something else because someone that you know like uh, is 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 gone Um, not really, no. I live my life to the fullest and uh, I try to make a good decision, not too stupid if possible, and uh, try to get as much experience as possible. But not. I don't want to spend every single day on a glacier like because I know this is going to be crazy. I rather spend like a bit less time but be super focused and uh, and take right, correct decisions. And uh, yeah. Um, when do you get um, uh, when when do you get the most impressed by yourself? Like, uh, ha- have you done something, or do, would you say that you do something that 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 you're that makes you extra proud? Um, snowboarding wise, no, I don't get <laughs> super extra proud of myself, but. It's super satisfying to go out there in crazy places and make uh, good snowboarding and to be able to make cool footage and watch the footage afterwards. This is like a really a work, a teamwork. You go, you choose your filmer, you have a good vibe, you know how they film, how they work. And um, and then sometimes you don't even need to talk and and you do the right thing the filmer does the right thing and then you end up having amazing footage and this is like pretty satisfying to create something out of nothing and uh, that's what i like to do yeah um so i'm not getting impressed by it but, <laughs> but, you, 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 but i like it yeah, yeah. You, you know it's a satisfaction knowing that you've done a good job 
Yeah, and yeah. you created something. It's my hobby and it's my job, so yeah. it's perfect. So when do you get disappointed of yourself? Uh, when I ride like shit, sometimes it <laughs> happens. Maybe in the beginning of the season, you feel, oh my God, but I don't even know how to snowboard. Sometimes, for example, right now, it's um, it's end of November and I'm like, whew, uh, I, I need to go to the park, do some tricks, but I don't even know how to do those tricks anymore. But actually, I'm going to go there, and after try, the, after uh, the suck at run. the beginning, <laughs> and then uh, ride more and more, feel more comfortable, and then it's going to come back. Uh, what would you say your, your strength as a snowboarder is? Um, my diversity, I guess. I know how to do like bunch of different style free, uh, stuff. Freestyle, free ride, a bit of mountaineering, a bit of climbing, a bit of paragliding. And this is what I like about snowboarding. It's to be able to mix all those opportunities, sports and skills and try to make something more unique and more special. Yeah. Um, and speaking about unique, um, you are here in Stockholm to, to show Frozen Mind, the movie that we've already touched upon. Um, is that the first movie where you uh, take a bigger like creative role as well? So, so one year ago we did a movie uh, called Sweet and Sour. First time I was doing a movie with... Um, It was the first time I was doing pretty much my own movie with Richard Perman, but he was more involved into the the um, the produ the producing side of of making a movie. But this year I made pretty much more my own movie with my friend Pierre Ortier, where I, where I was the um, co-producer, and so it was like really really cool to be able to do like what you want, choose your filmer choose the people you want to work with, uh, go to the places you like, when you like, and this is how you end up making a, a movie that reflects you uh, yeah. like to the fullest. And this is what I'm actually proud of being able to do. Yeah, if you're doing a good job, it's because you've, you've worked hard, but if the movie sucks, it's your fault as well. So you if need to put your, the energy to, to make it the way you want to be. And it's, I mean, that's same as riding a line, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same, same, instant reward, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now making a movie is as well another step, another step into my snowboarding career. Pretty mm -hmm. much, it's like producing, but not just producing snowboarding content. It's producing a snowboarding movie. It's a bit bigger. Then you need to take care of the distribution, the production, the. The editing, so it's it's getting more and more complex, but mm. super interesting. Stock to learn new stuff and yeah. yeah, to get experience in different kind of ways. Um, reading about you, uh, people like very often focus on this that you have that your style of writing where you really combine kind of slopes the slope style, but you're adding it to the to the to the free ride train, uh, natural features and so on. Would you say that this is a, a strong current trend within snowboarding and skiing at the moment? The, like where the two worlds kind of yeah. meet, meet up? I think this is what every snowboarder would like to watch is like a good freestyler being a super good free rider and being able to mix both, you know? Because back in the day it was more like pure free riders, super gnarly guys. Then we had the super... 
uh, freestyle uh, guys. And now for sure the trend is try to mix both and not that many people have the skills and experience to do both. So that's what I'm trying to do. And, um, and what I'm trying to do is even to do like freestyle into like not freeride, but even more like even more extreme terrain if it's possible. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's where I'm trying to go. Um, and that that type of style and that type of riding, it's I'm guessing that it's perfect for free ride world tour now. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you mentioned, you mm-hmm. got a wild card for that. Uh, how does that feel going back to competing? And w- what what do you have? What kind of expectations do you uh, do you have on yourself? And and I guess that a lot of people will have a lot of people outside will will have a lot of expectations on you. <laughs> and how does it feel to handle all that? Um, for me, it's my first year. I never had, I never done any competition in free riding. So I just want to go, see how it goes, and then see from there. Uh, for sure, I would like to try to bring all my freestyle into like lines and try to make it cool to watch and and do some tricks and charge as well. But the only problem is the format of the competition so far. If you want to good, do good in the overall of the competition, you need to... Um, they they keep four results out of five, so so I know if some guys want to do good, they can ride easy all the year, and then they ended up in a good good uh, rating at the end of the winter. But I think this sucks. They should just maybe take three three of the best scores out of five. So like this, you can just send it and try crazy stuff all year long, and just the best will end up there and count. Yeah. So. Um, But will you do all stops? Yeah, we'll do five stops. Mm. Well, it's f- four stops. They take the three out of four. And uh, if you're in top six, you go to Verbier, to the final. Yeah. And um, and also Alaska, yeah? Is no, that, is no Alaska anymore. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, now it's okay. Uh, Japan, Canada, Austria, Andorra. And then if you're qualified, you go to Verbier. Do the extreme. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but do, you, do you care about... Because I'm guessing a lot of people... Like if you would go into internet forums, a lot of people would be like, "Yeah, Victor is gonna, he's gonna smash it, and he's gonna like win it all and everything." And like uh, people put a lot of expectations in you. Um, is that a, do you, do you get bothered by that or don't you care? Um, I imagine some people would have some expectation. I just want to go and do the first competition and just see how it goes, and then. Um, Then I will see for sure I have a good expectation for myself. I want to do good, but I don't put that much pressure. It's about staying humble. Yeah, just I want to ride good and yeah. do cool stuff. If it works, perfect. If it doesn't, whatever. We'll see. Uh, so when is your first day on on the board for this season? Do you have, mm, it, do you have it set yet? It will be... Uh, December 1st, I guess. Okay, cool. Yeah, so tomorrow, tonight we have a premiere in Stockholm of Frozen Mine, tomorrow in Chamonix, and then the next day I go back home in Val Torrance and hopefully I'll get my season pass and be able to start <laughs> snowboarding. Um, thank you so much for taking your time. Thank you. And best of luck for the season. All right. <laughs> Appreciate it. Husky is produced in cooperation with Naturkompaniet. The music is made by Joel Mull.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.